Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the latest edition of The Referee's a Tanker. My name is Liam Shanley, and as always, I'm joined on the line by Mr. Michael Berthon and Mr. Martin Shanley. Action-packed pod again, guys. Um, results up and down throughout Scotland and England. Games around Europe. Plenty of talking points from the last seven days. Right, so in Scotland on Saturday we had Motherwell beating Kilmarnock 2-1, Hibs lost 3-2 at home to Livingston, Celtic and St Johnston played a, a 0-0 draw at Parkhead and Rangers were 2-0 winners up in Dingwall against Ross County. The Sunday scene, Dundee beat Hearts 1-0 and St Mirren at Aberdeen share four goals in a 2-2 draw at St Mirren Park. Did you guys catch any of the games? What did you make of them? Uh, unfortunately, I had the I watched the Hibs game on the on the TV, and it was dreadful. Um, and obviously, he's paid the price for that now. So, uh, I think Sir Johnson that's one of the, a superb result for Sir Johnson. The goalkeeper had a good game. Great result for Sir Johnson. See, before the game kicked off, somebody had said that they reckoned it was going to be three 0 to Celtic. And there's part of me looking at it going, I would probably take 3 0 just now. The way we've been playing, I would have taken a 3 0 loss. But uh, that was a, a good result. Did you catch the, the games on the Sunday, the St. Mirren game? 2 2 with a, a last minute goal from Aberdeen? I didn't see any of the goals for that game, but I did see the Dundee goal against Hearts. Um, a good finish from where he was to chip the goalkeeper from there, but I think the. The Hearts boy giving the ball away made it easier for him, but uh, still to chip the goalie from that distance, good goal. And I think Dundee deserved the victory for what I, for what I understand, so good result for Dundee. And with obviously Hearts not exactly firing all cylinders, Aberdeen two draws and a loss, Hibs three losses. Is this just a case of European football catching up with these teams at the start? Or Yeah, I think so. I think that doesn't matter how much you want to spin it. Like there's a, there's a, an element of the European football is quite lucrative. So you kind of want to put your full effort into those games, despite the results that um, some of the teams suffered throughout the week. And I think that the, the league form inevitably will take a dip. I mean, I'm not condoning three losses out of three for Hibs. I don't think Aberdeen fans would be happy with two draws and a defeat out of three. I don't think Hearts fans would be very happy either. However. The stark reality is that we don't have a squad of 23 high-caliber players. We've got probably the best part of 13 or 14. And other than that, you're filling in the squad with players that aren't good enough for other teams that are in the league and they're just squad players at best. And when you replace those better players who have played a Thursday night for a Sunday morning game or a, um, a Saturday evening game, you've not got the, the quality to back up the players that you've taken out to give them a rest. So... Yeah, I think it is a direct result. It's not acceptable. I wouldn't be if I'm a I'm a fan of one of those three teams, and I don't think it's good enough. And for Lee Johnson, especially, he's paid the price because we've been poor um, throughout the the start of the season. The European games have got him through and probably given him more time in the bank. And I think that the club have just ran out of patience. That's ultimately cost him his job. So having a quick look at the, the league table, now we're three weeks in, we'll have a, a quick glance over it. We've got Celtic and St Mirren and Motherwell joint top just now, all on seven points, with Rangers falling behind in six. You've got uh, four teams on four points, Hearts, Dundee, Kilmarnock, Livingston, Ross County on three points, Aberdeen on two and tenth, and then St Johnston on one and eleventh, and Hibs on zero. Right, let's uh, have a quick look down south at the the results from the weekend. Um, so the first one was on Monday night, which had Crystal Palace and Arsenal, with Arsenal winning 1-0. The Friday night game seen Chelsea win in London Derby 3-0 against Luton. Saturday's early kickoff was Spurs beating Bournemouth 2-0 on the south coast. Arsenal and Fulham drew two each at the Emirates. It was a 1-1 draw between Brentford and Crystal Palace. Everton's come to another loss, getting beat 1-0 off the of Wolves. Man United came from behind to beat Nottingham Forest 3-2 at Old Trafford. And West Ham beat Brighton and Old Albion 3-1 at the Amex. 
the Sunday scene, Aston Villa win 3-1 away to Burnley. Sheffield United lost out 2-1 to Man City with a late goal. And Newcastle were beaten 2-1 by Liverpool, um, who had Van Dijk sent off in the first half. Do you guys catch many of these games? What do you what he's making so far of some of the teams? Tottenham. I've watched Tottenham and Bournemouth on Saturday lunchtime, and Tottenham were very, very good. Very slick, kept the ball well, created a lot of chances, tighter at the back, and it was a comfortable win for them in the end. Aston Villa Sunday, very good result against Burnley. I mean, one of the goals Matty Cash scored, there was like 20 passives, it was amazing. Brilliant goal. They look really good so far. Man City had to grind it out. Um, good result for them in the end. Same with my United, dreadful start. I mean, I, when I got told they were 2 0 after four minutes, I was like, oh, okay, then, what's a joke? But <laughs> amazing, amazing comeback. Well, not amazing comeback, a good comeback, but there's still, there's still problems there. Yeah. To sort that out. Other results. Chelsea look, Chelsea look good. Again, I put that down at the manager. It makes a difference, definitely. Uh, some good some good performances at the weekend. Brighton, I was quite surprised West Ham beating Brighton, but again, West Ham have started the season well, so good result for them. Some good performances, some good results for teams. Yeah, good weekend for football. Sure. Um Yeah, I think that they, um, I think Luton are in trouble. I think if you watch any of their games, they, they really look quite toothless in attack. It's almost like they've They've picked a couple of like decent championship players up in the transfer market as if they're almost like banking on a return to the championship to then regroup and go again the following season. I don't think they're in any shape or form going to challenge to stay in the league. Can I see it? Even if they're home form, which would need to be pretty solid, even if it is good, they're probably going to get beaten almost every away game, barring like an absolute miracle or a total fluke result. Like Marty touched on, I think United have still got troubles. I mean, they looked ragged. What the hell the keeper's doing for the first goal, I'll never know. I do what he thinks. Just falls to his knees and falls to one side, the boy just taps on an empty net. It's like something you do at fives. It's comical. Arsenal slipping up gives City the massive incentive. I mean, as much as I would love Arsenal to give City a proper challenge again, I'm not saying I'm writing them off after three games, but these are the kind of games that City just win. And if you're not winning them, you're already on the back foot and you're having to gain points where City drop. And how often does City drop points? It's just... Uh, such a tough, tough battle. The one that um, that concerned me the most over the weekend, though, Bob, to be fair, was Everton yet again losing without scoring. I'm pretty sure they've no scored. Us. I think that's three games, no goals, six conceded, bottom of the table. I mean, I expected Burnley, Sheffield United and Luton to be in and around those positions after the first couple of weeks. And I'm not saying Everton shouldn't be, but if they're, that's the company that they're in, they're in with already, you're starting to think, okay, we're only three games in, but every game becomes a must, like a must not get beat at the very least. You look at next week's fixture before we, I can't we'll touch base on it um, later on, but they're about Sheffield United in their next game. They just played Wolves. The teams are in and around them that they're going to, have to start gathering points. It's going to be tough for them. Like I just didn't see how it's going to, it's going to be anything other than a total dogfight for the boys. Nah, I totally agree, mate. As you said, some of the the new boys, you'd maybe expect them. Points wise to be down the bottom while they're still finding their feet. Yeah, totally. Agree. But yeah, Everton looked toothless against Wolves, didn't look like scoring. No. Could be a, a very long season. You know what, mate, right? See the teams that come up, like we always say, like you really need to get your home form in an order that you're going to pick up, say, 75% of your points at the home, at your home ground. Get the fans behind you. It could only be a one season hit. You, you didn't care if you're going to stay up or no, but you've got to get points on the board at home, make it a fortress, make it loud, make it aggressive, make it quick, get everyone on board. Imagine Everton's ground. It must be like, oh fuck, we're at home again. And if that's if you're not getting points at home, they're not likely to pick up that many points away because they didn't travel particularly well. I mean, I'm sure last year, or year until, I'm sure until they beat Brighton away, that fluke result where they scored five, they'd only won like, like four, seven points away from home all season. And if they're not getting points at home, <sighs> It's a world of heartless. It's quite a long ass season. The thing you've got to worry about with Everton is they don't have they don't have a goal scorer. Calvert Lewin no. is meant to be their goal scorer. No, he's not. He, he plays he plays one game. He goes injured again. He's going to be injured again for another two weeks. Mm-hmm. Now they've just signed a striker for Udinese today for twenty eight million. Now, I know a little. I know a little bit about <clears> him because I watch a lot of Italian football. But he's a big guy. They have to they have to use him in the right way. And they spent a lot of money on him, so it's a, it's a massive gamble for him. 
Huge. Yeah, it's huge. Um, and you, you know fine well, Martin, as much as I do, both these will say the same. If, if everyone go down, that guy's got a clause in his contract. He's going back out the front door comfortably if everyone go down. He'd think so. He's not, he's not staying to win them back out the championship. No. Every single person in that squad, barring the odd youngster maybe that's maybe still trying to find their feet within the squad, most of them will have clauses that if they go down, then, or they'll, they'll be in their agents here saying, get me out of here as soon as we go down. So they've got a big job if they go down or if they start to struggle come the January window, panic buying. It's going to be, it's going to be a really tough season. And like I said, I'm not going to dwell on it too much, but I just quickly look forward to their fixtures after they play Sheffield United. They play Arsenal. And after yeah. they play Arsenal, they play Luton. I mean, I'm just thinking like there. You could be end of September with maybe Luton being a crunch game already, with the knee points on the board. It's almost as bad as Hibs. Yeah, <laughs> they are struggling. Who Hibs? <laughs> no, I so uh, looking at league table, what a surprise! Man City top of it. The only team with a hundred percent win record. There's a few teams with a hundred percent loss record, but we'll get to them in a second. West Ham, Tottenham, Liverpool, Arsenal, all sitting on seven points. We've got quite a few teams on 6-5. And the ones at the bottom are Everton, Luton, Burnley, and Sheffield United, all with zero points. And Bournemouth with their solitary point just now sat in 16th. Some long seasons for some of them. I wouldn't be surprised if you ended up getting a new record in terms of low points gathered yep um, unless, unless, unless Luton yeah I think what was it I said 11 points the lowest so I I've, unless Luton can make that home an absolute fortress you really do worry for them this season that's their best hope yep to get some points on the board because that pitch is so narrow it's a small stadium it's compact it'll be difficult for bigger and better teams to play there to get the job done but that that will suit Luton more to play more home games than away games. Yeah, they'll not get, get much on the road. No, I don't think so. No danger. Right, um, having a look to how the Scottish teams have done in Europe, obviously the English ones won't come in until the group stages apart from Villa. Hacken and Aberdeen drew two each. Hearts were beaten 2-1 at home to POAK. Hibs were 5-0 losers at home to Villa. And Rangers and PSV drew two each at Ibrox. Sadly, apart from the the Hibs one, I think all teams are still in it. Hearts are going to have a a struggle going over to Greece and being able to overturn that 2-1 deficit. But Aberdeen did very well to get a 2-2 draw over in Sweden. What do you boys make of them? Uh, I think think Aberdeen will go through and I think the other three will go out. Yeah, I think, just to be fair with Hibs, um, I think it was you that shared the, the video from Simon Jordan, Shan, talking yeah. about Hibs and Aston Villa and the differences in their finances. With Hibs' turnover, um, it would take Hibs 16 years to match what Aston Villa's turnover is in a season, yeah. and it would take Aston Villa, was it three weeks or three, three months? Weeks. Three weeks. Three weeks to make what Hibs do in a whole year. I think in terms of transfers, they've spent, uh, Aston Villa spent circa about £180 million over the last few seasons, whereas Hibs outlay has been £1.8 million. So it's, it's just absolute night and day. It's just, they always say luck of the draw or the unluck of the draw, I guess, in terms of Hibs to be able to get a team like, like Villa. Yeah. In this, uh, in the last qualifying stage before the group stages, yeah, you can't compare the the teams. Like we said, we, there's no point in dwelling on it too much. If um, if Hibs were to go up to Peter Heed in the cup, win five 0 with their strongest eleven, and then mock Peter Head, that's the exact same as what it feels like when Villa beat Hibs. It's almost like, ah, we beat these five 0 What did you expect the score to be like? I mean, you look at the squad you have. The same one that dismantled Everton four days before. The same one that just went to Burnley. And one three one a breeze. What did you expect Hibs to be up for a fight like? Like, let's be serious. It doesn't it's mean the same. It's almost like a different sport they were playing when I watched the game on Wednesday. It's outrageous. Are you still going down on Thursday, Shan? Going down. Me, me, Marty, and Dad are going down tomorrow night. Driving down, going to the game. It's Marty's birthday while we're doing there, so we'll make a weekend. It so yeah, it should be good. 
Right, that takes us on nicely to our European road trip. I'll come to you first, Sham. We'll go to, to Spain, as always, and see what's been happening there this week. Well, match day three in Spain, guys, kicked off on Friday night with two relatively uneventful games. Um, Las Palmas and Real Sociedad drew 0-0. And Real Madrid won 1-0 away to Celta Vigo with another Jude Bellingham goal. Saturday, um, games of any note was Sevilla um, succumbing to their third defeat in three with a 2-1 home defeat to Girona. Um, Sunday's games had lots of action. Barcelona won 4-3 away to Villarreal. Osasuna beat Valencia at the Messiah 2-1. And Athletic Bilbao came from 2-0 down against Betis to win 4-2 at home. Sunday's games were contrasting. Hitafe beat Alaves 1-0. And then Atletico Madrid went to Vallecas to play Rival Vallecano and won 7-0 away from home. Rival don't really concede an awful lot of goals, but they got beat 7-0 at home for Atletico, who don't often score that many goals. So that was a bit of a, a shocker. League standings, although it's early, um, Real Madrid, three wins from three. They sit top, only team with a 100% record. Teams within the Champions League spots just now are Atletico Madrid, Girona, with a nice wee start to the season, and Barcelona. Teams down the bottom in the relegation zone with zero points is Sevilla, one for Almeria, one for Celta Vigo, and just hovering outside on goal difference is one for Mallorca. Mari, what's been happening in Italy? Uh, round two results started on Saturday. Rosanoni recorded their first win of the season with a 2-1 win against Atalanta. Verona defeated Roma at home, by having 10 men. AC Milan recorded another win. They defeated Torino 4-1 at the San Siro. Sunday, Juventus dropped points at home with a 1-1 draw against Bologna. Napoli got another win, so that train's just never stopping. With a 2-0 win against Sassuolo. Sio lost their second game in a row with a 1-0 defeat at home to Genoa. Sunday, was Salernitana and Udinese got a 1-1 draw and Inter got their second win of the season with a 2-0 win away to Cagliari. I watched that game and Inter were pretty impressive. So there's no point looking at the league table. It's early days still. Uh, good starts for Inter, good starts for AC Milan, good starts for Napoli. So it's going to be a, a good season in Italy, I think, this year. I've seen um, Lewis Ferguson score for Bologna, Maria. Yeah, he took it well. Cool. He got he got a uh, pass inside the 18-yard box, took a little touch, had a wee look, and then just dragged it to his right foot and just placed it in the bottom corner. It was a good goal. He's, he's doing well, well for him. He's, he's doing, doing really well. Really well. And he's in the Scotland squad for the next international, so mm-hmm. deserved. Yeah, that's, that's your latest from Serie A, Bob. If it is. And the Bundesliga, Shan. Early days in Bundesliga, we're only on match day two. Started on Friday night with uh, Leipzig hammering Stuttgart 5-1. Games on Saturday of note, <laughs> to be fair. Union Berlin went to Darmstadt and won 4-1. Dortmund, just like Arsenal dropping points behind the powerhouse that is Bayern Munich with a 1-1 draw away to Bochum. Again, it's one of these ones where you feel like if you start dropping points early and that gap starts to, to gather momentum, how do you ever claw it back? Um, Bayern Leverkusen, Bayern Leverkusen went to Munich and Gladbach and 1-3-0. Fantastic result for Xavi Alonso's men. And on Sunday, Harry Kane got two goals in a 3-1 Bayern home victory against Augsburg. Early days, but the standings in four teams on 100%. Union Berlin, Bayern Munich, Bayer Leverkusen and Wolfsburg. And teams down the bottom with zero points from six possible. Cologne, Heidenheim, Darmstadt and Werder Bremen. Freiburg are on full points as well, mate. So they are, mate. I do apologise, Freiburg fans. It's weird to see five teams with six points out of six, eh? How often does that happen? After two games, you'll see like oh, teams with four couple of teams with six, but five teams with six points. Very strange. The amount of letters I can play we're going to get in because of that, Shan, from Freiburg fans. I know. I'm, I'm going to have to fly to Freiburg, mate, taste the beer, apologise, have some food, pen, like write a letter to the fans. Now. I'll, I'll, I'll take in a game while I'm there. You know I'm like it. Big topics this week. We've got a, a few things I want to... Few, issues I want to broach for you boys last week we seen the Pakata move from West Ham to Man City get shelved due to a betting investigation revolves around a game last season where in Brazil there was a large amount and a regularly large amount of bets put on Pakata to get a yellow card 
was it against Bournemouth, was it? Yeah. Yeah, he, he picked up a booking, tackling someone in the middle of the pitch, got a yellow card for it. Now, my, my question is, is this, with the better in football, we've just had the, the Ivan Tony getting banned from football for eight months. We've had people like Joey Barton in the past get months worth of bans as well due to betting. You had the huge scandal over in Italy a few years ago where titles were stripped from people due to, to betting. Now, is this a bigger thing than that we'd like to, to think it is? Um, or is this just part and parcel? It's, it's a very small thing, a small minority. What do you boys reckon? I think if the the way that the players are told, you're not allowed to bet on any football, no football at all. So if you get caught betting on any, any game, especially your own game, if you bet on your own game, you're going to get in serious trouble. I think that's what Ivan Tony asked me. He's asked, uh, part of that uh, the ban for him is because of that. He's been betting on games that that have been involved in self playing for Brentford. Aye, but he's betting on himself to score first. He's not betting on himself like to shank the boot for a throw in the first five seconds. Yeah. He's actually just backing himself, which is publicly. He's like, I'm sticking five and I'm cursing myself to score first. That's got yeah. nothing to do with anybody else. I think that's ludicrous. Like, I think the the deal with the one with the pa- one with Pakita is, I don't think he denied it instantly. He was as soon as it came out, he denied it instantly. Um, I don't think there's a lot in it. I seen the booking that he got against Bournemouth. He's he, it wasn't even a tackle. He just jumped up for the ball and his his arms kind of grazed the top of the Bournemouth boys. I don't think he's intentionally got booked there to make money for other people. I don't think that's. I don't think there's anything in that at all. Yeah, I think I've seen a different challenge from you than Marty. So I've seen him half the boy in the middle of the pitch. Or was, or it, might, the it, might, it might have been that one then. I I was only looking at the one that I seen. It might have been that tackle you're talking about, Bob. Right. If it is uh, that one, then well, maybe I. But I, I still don't. Uh, I don't think he's done that intentionally. It's one of these ones. The one I seen was he was running this. Whoever it was, the player for the team was running, and they're round about the center circle, and Pakita's chasing back, and has tried to put in a challenge and has caught him, and got a booking for it. But I, as you said, it's, it's it would be pretty hard. Now, for example, if this is just a pure coincidence, and there has just been a lot of people put bets on, you know what Chinese whispers are like. Somebody said something at the pub one time about how Pakita was going to get a booking, and all of a sudden you get a huge rush on something like that happening. And that's cost Pakita possibly a chance to move to Man City. Uh, the stakes are the stakes are pretty high. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think there's a little bit of like hypocrisy coming from the Premier League when almost, I'd say, maybe two-thirds to three-quarters of the teams are sponsored by betting institutions. And if, they're, if, if you're telling players gamble, but they only train two or three hours a day, and now you're banning folk, so they can't train, they can't play, they're getting paid hundreds of thousands a week, and you're telling them not to go near a bookies, like, like there's a, a bit of like, oh, we'll sponsor your league and give you loads of money, and you can spread our name around, and we're on the billboards for Skybet Championship, and Skybet this and Skybet that, but as soon as it comes to putting any money on a bet, like, you can't put a £20 knackle on. It's ludicrous. Like, Ivan Tony was betting on his team to either win or get beat. He wasn't even in the team. He was out on loan. He wasn't he wasn't he wasn't betting on the games that he was physically involved in. The games he was physically involved in, he was betting on himself to score first. He's just publicly backing I feel I feel like I'm gonna get a goal today. I'm sitting five hundred quid myself to score first. How on earth is that how is that how how can he be done for that? The opposition would have to allow him to score for anybody to make any money. He's just backing himself. I think get it. The one thing I would say about this, Shan, is I think that if you were to allow that sort of thing, Tony might have been totally above board, well, not above board what he's doing, but doing it the right way, yeah, not betting against himself or shanking out for a, a corner, a goal kick or something like that from an easy opportunity. Yeah, But who's to say that there isn't other players? I mean, if somebody put 500 quid on himself to miss a penalty because he was struggling financially wise and then he missed a penalty and ended up getting beat or relegated or lost a cup. Yeah. I think you're right. I think that if you're a let him off with it, there it would open the door to many other folks to do to do something similar. But the problem is though, that you've completely thrown the book at him to make an example of him. 
and then to not allow him to train. What's that about? Like, what's what's the harm in him training? All he's doing is keeping his fitness up. He's no ill to kick a ball. He's the one he knows he's just going to go into training and there's no end goal. But to say to him, you can't even come into the training ground. What's how's that? What's that going to do with the bet? That's what not the punishment is far. The time of not playing, fine. If you want to make an example of him and put your foot down, fine. But you can't see him. You can't come in and train. What's that? Got, how's that punishment? That's not fair. He's not. You still, still be allowed to train. Be allowed to train. Hundred percent, you should be allowed to train. There's no. He's not affecting matches by doing that. No, he's. If anything, he's probably giving Thomas Frank a headache, saying that like he looks brilliant. He's he's sharp as anything. He just wants to be fit as a fiddle. So when he comes back, he can walk straight back into eleven and play. But yeah. you're not allowing him to train up until I think four weeks before he's banned up. That's mental. Everyone must do it. It's just he's been caught and used as a yardstick to warn other players of this is the potential. Just like Joey Barton, just like Kieran Trippier when he got um, done in Spain for whatever it was. Um, he, he said he was going to be signing for a team. That's gave, right. Aye. Gave his pals a heads up that he was going to be signing for Atletico. Then even, but then if the the league. The league and the leagues below are all sponsored by betting companies, and they're happy enough. The, the league's happy enough to take all the money that they're giving you, but then you say the players who are the ones that make the money, the bread and butter, the players, the your product effectively on the pitch. Then you dare go to a betting shop. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Who's, I think it's reeks of hypocrisy. Who was it? The the band, Tony. Was it the, the English FA? Aye. Yeah. So would they not be able to put him out on loan to another team in another country? I don't know. I don't know what the, mm-hmm. the, the jurisdiction effectively would be in terms of if would that ban, is it worldwide or is it just English? Because Brentford, like you said, could have put him out on loan to Barcelona for it, they know. And say, look, just keep your fitness up. Go and play in Spain for three months, four months, five months, come back in January. We're good to go. I'm sure if they were allowed to do that, they would have done it. Probably, yeah. The fact that they haven't done it <laughs> probably means that he's not allowed to play for anybody, so... If wants to come play up for Hibs, mate, I'm having a take on it. So I was thinking, I mean, even if it was somebody out of the UEFA, out of the UEFA sort of um, countries, and put them over to, I don't know, somewhere in America even, or South America, just somewhere that he's going to be playing regular games, which means when it does come to it, I mean, fitness-wise, he'll keep himself fit as a fiddle, guarantee he's a professional yeah, footballer. Yeah. There'll be no issue with fitness, but in terms of match fitness... And having that touch on the ball and being used to it, there's only so much you can do. You can't replicate that anywhere else apart from on a pitch playing against top quality players. Yeah, which is why I think it's unfair that he can't train. But at least he'd be around high quality players within his own squad. You'd still be tackling, you'd still be working on shape and first touch and again, playing playing your role effectively within the team. Him, letting him train but not play is probably more of a punishment to him because he's like, a train, a train to play. So he not getting the playing part at the end of it would feel like a frustration for him. A couple of things I want to now pick up on are rules within football, and I just want your your opinion on them. At the weekend, we've seen Liverpool versus Newcastle at St James's Park. Ball gets played through to Isaac, who's about five yards outside the box. Van Dijk goes to take the ball, but takes the boy through. He wins the ball by going through the player. He is last man and he gets sent off. Referee deems that a goal-scoring opportunity. Now, if it had happened five yards further forward and it had been in the box and the referee was happy he'd made an attempt for the ball, it would have been a penalty, but only a booking. Now, what do you boys make of this rule to start with? And do you think it should be should be changed at all? Mari, what do you reckon? I think it's a ridiculous rule. If you foul somebody 30 yards from goal when he's clear in and you and you get sent off for that, but yeah, if he goes into the 18 yard box when he's closer to goal with a better chance of scoring and you do the same foul, you only got a yellow card. If, um that that just that beggars belief how that they can make that a possible rule. When you're talking about the Van Dyke red card, I don't think it was technically as a foul, but I don't think it's a red card. I don't think it's a red card at all. I think it's a yellow card. Um, but under the rules, 
he's got to send him off. If he thinks there's a foul and there's no defender covering defender, then it's got to be a red card. But it's a ridiculous rule. Absolutely ridiculous. So, so what would your what would you change then? No, I think I think if it's a, if it's a foul thirty yards for goal, then surely the same punishment's got to be the same thing. If he's nine yards for goal or ten yards for goal, it's got to be the same thing. You're trying to tell me if he goes twenty yards closer to goal, we have a better chance of scoring, which you will have if you go twenty yards closer to goal, and he commits the same foul and you get a yellow card. But if you go back thirty yards, it gets a red card. No, come on. What about clear goal, goal, clear goal scoring opportunity in the box, and instead of giving them a penalty, they get a goal for it. Do you think that could be a thing, or do you think that's just going to open up a massive can of worms as to what is no. a goal score? I don't think that'll ever happen. I don't think that'll ever happen. I'm just thinking because if we're saying it's a, if we're saying it has to be a red card, and they're trying to, they're getting a red card and a penalty against them. I don't see where the issue is with the double jeopardy thing. If he's made an, if he's filled the person in the box in a goal scoring opportunity, then. I don't see the argument as to why you shouldn't be sent off. I don't think it was that that big a deal anyway. I can't remember that many people complain. I mean, you complain it's a right and you get sent off. Fair mm-hmm. enough. But I couldn't. I didn't ever hear anyone saying, oh, "I can't believe we got sent off and a penalty against us," because really the boy would have scored a goal anyway in the box. Um, yeah. I don't know, Shan. What's your take on it? I find, like Marty says, if if Van Dyke's outside the box makes an attempt for the ball, he's deemed to be the last man and denying a clear goal scoring opportunity, he gets a red card. But if you're inside the box and you make an attempt for the ball, why is it only a yellow? I don't... Like you said, I thought I would rather it was clear as cut. You know what? You're the last man. You've brought somebody down inside the box or about to score or at least get a shot off on target. You're clearly the last man. I'm not bothered with double jeopardy. You... If you're about to, if you're centre forward and I just come from behind you, I claim that I went for the ball. You get the penalty and I stay on. But is that no subjective? How do you know? How first of all, how do you know what a clear goal scoring opportunity is? Because if Van Dijk lets him go, Allison's a pretty damn goalie, a pretty good goalkeeper. He is highly capable of making a really good save and stopping that goal. It's not a tapping. It's not an empty net. And then. How do you know that Kanat, um, was name Kanat, I think it was Matip, like, all right, who says Isaac does he trod on the ball and Matip gets to go across? How do you know these are clear goal score opportunities? And how do we know that, like, Isaac could have made a, a, a unnecessary or uncharacteristic mistake to prevent him being clear on goal? He could have made a mistake and Matip gets across and that, that, that chance just ends. I feel like, and if you're in the box and somebody's about to make a, to, take a shot for seven yards out, you're the last man and you, you bring them down. Referee's like, oh, you didn't try and play the ball, you're off. How how do you know? If I've slid for the man, slid for the ball, and I've clattered the man, and the referee's like, nah, I made the attempt. Well, you weren't the player. You never made the tackle. I, I could see I, I, I tried to get to the ball, but I just never got there. It looks a lot worse than it was. I feel like it's all very subjective. isn't like a lot of grey. There's not a lot of clear cut. I'd rather have clarity. Your last man, you're quite clear of the last line in defence. He's about to have a shot and goal. In, in the box or out the box, doesn't matter, red card. None of this, like like Marty said, you're 30 yards for goal, but you get sent off, but you're in the box and it's only a yellow. That makes no sense. And it's almost, be- it was almost like that one for Arsenal. I can't remember if it was last season or the season before. It might have been Xhaka, uh, where the boys run in front of him and he knows he might touch him, and he's tried to like stop, and he's almost like yep. put his hands up, and his legs still being clipped. Now he's tried to pull out, and he's tried to stop himself, but the player's momentum's caught his leg, and he's went down, and that was deemed that he didn't try and play the ball, even though he tried to pull out of it, mm-hmm. and he didn't slide in. He was still on his feet, and he stood up, and he just tried to stop himself, but the boy still caught his leg, and he went over. And he got sent off for that because he hadn't tried to play the ball, even though he tried to pull out of it and yeah. did everything he possibly could to not make contact. Whereas if he had then just decided to absolute lunge for it and try and get the ball, he might have only got a yellow. Exactly. It's so subjective. There's no clear-cut crystal rules in terms of attempt to play the ball. And who? how do you know who the last man is? How do you know that the centre-half that is... 
being caught out of position, like Matip could have been rapid, and he could be he could gather that ground up in two strides to get Isaac or Allison, who's an amazing goalie. Do you so denying a clear goal scoring opportunity? Does that is that based on how shit the goalie is? Because if David Marshall's in goals or Allison's in goals, that chance is a hell of a lot higher of being a goal because the quality goalkeeper involved. So like if Ederson's in goals, I'd fancy his chances to make the save. So where's where's the light? It's just an opportunity. An opportunity isn't a goal. Isaac's still 23, 24 yards from goal. Van Dijk has played through him, yes, to get the ball and blah, blah, blah. I don't think it's a red card. I think it's harsh. I think it's harsh. I think the, yeah, referee, I, I think the referee was just following the law. He's going by the rules. I, and the he's, problem is he's, the he's referee... as a foul. There's no covering defender. He's, he's given the red card, but that's where the rule's stupid, in my opinion. It's not, that's not a red card. The referee's a yellow, done exactly a yellow at most. The referee's done his job and followed the rules, the, the rules to yeah. what they, they're interpreted as. The problem is, though, that the rules didn't really make much sense in terms no. of punishing folk for a, a tackle outside the box and letting them off with it when they're inside the box. The other rule I wanted to have a look at, Shan, I'm going to let you explain what happened in the game and then we'll, we'll have a chat about it with regards to the offside. Um, briefly, I'll, I'll give you the, the quick version of it. Arsenal's second goal uh, to take the lead against Fulham at the weekend, which they eventually did draw 2 all. Um, Calvin Bassey's injured inside the Fulham area, the area he's defending. He's very close to the byline, but he's just inside the park by two yards. But effectively, he's playing everyone on because he is the last line of defence. The ball from Arsenal, I've not seen it from the angle which would deem Nketa to be offside, but obviously, Fulham would have wanted the ball played out. My worry would be that if Nketi was offside, if you exclude Bassi from this equation, and then they score because Bassi is included in the equation, my question to you two would be, and we've, we discussed this off-air briefly before we came on, is that if a striker who doesn't touch the ball and is not interfering with play doesn't isn't deemed to be interfering, therefore the goal will stand, how can a defender who's not interfering with play not have the same um, role to play within this whole scenario. If he's flat out injured like he was, he wasn't moving, he wasn't faking, he wasn't just dropping to his knees because he knew he was laid out to, to, to clear the box. He was flat out for like 30 seconds before the ball came back. He's got no impact on that decision. He can't, even, he can't influence the play, but he's playing everyone on by 10 yards. Arsenal score. Like I said, I've not seen that from the side angle. If he's offside or on, but if he was offside and it was Bassi that was deemed to play him onside, what could we do to prevent that from happening? Because obviously Fulham will feel like, well, he's not interfering with play, so how can he be deemed? But that isn't the rule. The rule is your defender, therefore you are influencing the play. So I'm not sure. Yeah, so it's a case of one rule is you can be influencing it, but when it's the other way around, you're not influencing it. Yep, exactly so. That's a bizarre one. What would you, what would you rather have? Would you rather have the if a defender's inactive that he's not interfering with play, or would you rather have it that if you're offside, regardless if you're interfering with play or not? It's hard, eh? Because you didn't want players if the ball's been swung in for the right and there's a guy at the back post, the ball never gets to. He's near the corner flag. He's coming back out from being in that position in the first place. He's never going to see the ball. He didn't want that to be offside because he isn't genuinely influencing the play. We get that. We want goals. That's why we changed the rules so that there's less of this clear cut if you're in an offside position, irrespective if you're coming back from an offside position or you're nowhere near the ball. We didn't want that. We do want goals. But then if you're a defender who's genuinely injured, it doesn't happen very often. You're not very often playing, being played on by an injured defender lying on the deck. It doesn't happen very often. But when it does happen... Like the team that's defending the goal, like Fulham would be rightfully raging because Calvin Bassey, who would be one of their last line of defence, stopping that ball from coming into the six yard box where Nketiah scored from, is completely prone on the deck. Can he influence his defence? Can he help his mates? Yet he just deemed to play everyone on. I don't know what the outcome would be, but it was just something that I would, we were talking about, the spitballing out, out with the, the pods starting. I'm not really sure how you combat that. Murray, what, you got any ideas, Murray? 
I haven't seen it. I've not seen an incident. So the way that the the, the way the referee's got to look at it is it's not if, if it's not a head injury. Yep, he's down. It's up to one of the teams to kick the ball out. They don't have to kick the ball out. So the way that the linesman and the referee have got to look at it is Calvin Bass is still on the pitch. He's not got a head injury, so the referee doesn't have to stop the game. None of the teams have kicked the ball out. So in their eyes, he's still active on the pitch. So he's playing in Ketty onside. So I, I'd have to watch it. I'd have to watch it myself and then give you a, a, a proper analysis. Of it. I'm just going by what you're saying, but yeah, I'd have, to, I'd, have to, I'd have to watch it myself. Well, what about right? So again, like like you said, there, if Bassi doesn't have a head injury and the referee has has no real reason to stop the play, how often do we see and how frustrating it is for you to when there's just an expectation from the team that have the injured player just for teams to stop playing? Is that not the most frustrating thing in the whole world? I know I'm not going to digress away from the, the topic too much, but it, it does stem from that if Bassi's not got a head knock that is deemed serious, why should why should the play stop anyway? Like if I'm Arsenal, I mean, do you just play on because he's not got a serious head injury, he's not got a, a bad leg injury or that? So if the yeah. referee thinks we could play on, do we just play on? And is that just bad sportsmanship? Or do we just are we sick and tired of the team stopping just because a player's injured and just an expectation from the opposing team to kick the ball out. My, the, oh, carry on, Bob. My, my one thing about this is we, you see it quite a lot and it gets really frustrating. When a player goes down injured on the right side the side of the pitch, rather than roll off the pitch so they can get treatment, they stay on the pitch because they want the game stopped. It's yeah. a, a time-wasting manoeuvre or you're just trying to noise the, the opponents up by taking breaks as often as you can. Yeah. So, for example, with the Bassey thing, is if he'd rolled off the pitch to get treatment, he, he could have he could have possibly done that. Yeah, but maybe, he's lying, maybe he's lying there thinking, "Ah, oh, well, the game's going to get stopped because I'm down injured, and it's going to break up play. They're going to get a bounce ball further up the pitch. It'll noise them up a bit. It will chew up some time for us. Yep. And then it's kind of possible. I mean, I I don't know. As I said, I've not seen that one either. He might have been genuinely injured. I don't know if he continued after it. Yeah, it's funny because you're talking about players rolling back onto the pitch to stop the play. If Bassi rolls off the pitch, he's probably and Ketty's probably offside. Yeah. I mean, so if you're if you're the, the team who's like under the cosh, arguably I know you might want the game stopped, but realistically, in this particular occasion, if he'd rolled off, they probably didn't score. Yeah. It's, it's mad. Like I said, I don't think there's any way to really combat it because players would start to go down when they were under pressure to get the game stopped on purpose. I know now they've brought in a rule that the referees, have, if, you, if you need any assistance from the medical team, you have to go off the pitch for 30 seconds. It just try, it's trying to stop players from play-acting because you're being punished. But then what about the players who are genuinely injured? They also have to steal for 30 seconds as well. That means the team who win the foul, who have been wronged by, you've been smashed by a, a opposing player, you've also got to spend 30 seconds off the pitch. So it doesn't feel like you're, it's, it's no fair on the team that have a genuine injury. But this is just another reason of you can't really trust the players to be honest with each other and the referee. So it's impossible. They had this, did they not bring this in last season or maybe the season before that if you get fouled and the physio comes on to treat you on the side of the pitch, you don't have to go off. Um, I don't know. Trial somewhere and I've just... No, I think you're right, but this season they've said basically if, if the medical staff have to come on, you have to go off for 30 seconds. So like I said, you could win a foul by getting clattered in a, in a 50-50. You get the free kick. So you're now in the ascendancy, but you've lost a man because your guy had to go off for 30 seconds. So you've been punished by winning a free kick. Yeah, another ridiculous rule. Yeah, I mean, I don't, don't wrong. They're, they said, Howard Webb came out and said basically that they're, they're aiming to, to use it to stop the ones who are at it and clearly calling the free, they'll not do it as much because they know they'll have to spend time with the park. It could influence the the ability to defend a cross ball or whatever. I get it, but with the ones that have got a genuine injury, who by the time they get to the side of the park, get a quick spray, the free spray, the wee magic sponge, and you're good to go. Now nah, they're not look back on for 30 seconds. And if it's your captain or your centre forward or your centre half, you think, well, hold on, why are we getting punished here? We won the free kick, they got a yellow card, and now my best player's off the park for 30 seconds. Right, we'll move away from these topics just for a second. The last one thing I want to talk to you about was I marked it down earlier on the week who was going to be the first person to lose their job. 
And then Johnson for Hibs gets sacked while we're still in August. <laughs> uh, I can understand why he's been sacked, but it's still mad that you can lose your job three games into a season. Um, who do you boys reckon is going to be favourite for the Hibs job? And a second answer I'm looking for is which Premier League manager will get sacked first? Shan? Um, Hibs job, completely unsure, mate, to be fair. It really depends what kind of route they want to go down. The owners are kind of American-based. They might look at something further afield. Somebody maybe from Australia, maybe somebody from the MLS, something of that ilk. They might want to go down that route. They might want to go to tried and tested somebody like a Derek McInnes or a maybe a, maybe a Lennon. Maybe I know he was he was spoken about on the on the social media platforms recently. And you that you go down the route of kind of like a Scott Brown, Hibs captain used to be and knows the game and blah blah blah. But it depends. I, I'm not really sure who will get, but I think that. Lee Johnson had his time. He got enough backing from the board. He didn't provide us with any sort of progress or the results that that squad would expect to get. So he had to lose his job. We know the fickle. We know the nature of the game. The players didn't go. The manager does, and that's how it works. So, um, in terms of who I think is going to get their their jotters next down south, I can't imagine like Burnley or Luton or Sheffield United sacking folk. I didn't see the point. They're not really under any sort of um, immediate threat. I think if you're no Sean, if you're Sean Dice, you're looking over your shoulder most definitely. Um, and other than that, uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's so early, but there's a couple of teams that must be looking, thinking we've started really bad. We're probably already lost any um, optimism for the fans. So I say maybe Dice. I think not through any real doing of his own. I think the squad and the club at the minute is run pretty shambolically. So if I want to put any money on it, it probably would be Dice, if I'm honest. Cool. Marty? I said after the Motherwell game a couple of weeks ago that the right now was on the wall for Johnson and that's, that's happened. It had to happen. Saturday was a total catastrophe yet again. Uh, I don't know. I don't really I don't know. Um, I know their usual names have been linked to it. McInnes, Robinson, Brown, Lennon. Honestly, I couldn't tell you. It has to be somebody that's got a, a deep knowledge of Scottish football, in my opinion. So you can rule out M- Americans or Australians or anybody like that. I, I don't think it'll be anybody like that. It'll be somebody that's got a good knowledge of Scottish football. Big Andrew came into Celtic and did a, a decent yeah. job. Different going into Hibs and going into Celtic, I think, though. Um, English one. Oof, I don't think anybody's in a real danger at the moment. The one, If there's, if there's going to be one, it'd be Sean Dyche. Uh, apart from him, I don't think there's anybody really on a what's the word a sugly pig. Um, Thicky wicket. Uh, I don't. I don't think there's anybody. If there was to be one, it'd be Dice. But I don't think there's anybody at the moment that's in any real danger. Maybe Guardiola. Can you only beat Sheffield United two one? He's, he's he's got to go surely. So no, no. He wasn't I, even there, mate. I can't exactly. Even then, he still gets sacked. He sent a fourth pitch. No, I don't think. I don't think there's anybody in serious trouble at the moment. No. Okay. Right, uh, we'll have a quick look ahead to the games coming this weekend. Um, so up in Scotland, we have on the Saturday, we have Kilmarnock hosting Ross County, Livingston at home to St Mirren and St Johnston host Dundee in a Teesside derby. Sunday sees Aberdeen at home to Hibs while Motherwell travel to the capital to play Harps. And we have the first old form game of the season, 12 o'clock kickoff on the Sunday. The big game is obviously the Rangers Celtic game. Um, I don't think either in, either of them are in particularly great form. Rangers midweek game against PSV might take some energy out the legs, depending on how far it goes. It could go extra time and penalties, you never know. But Celtic have not looked particularly impressive, so that might be... It might just give whoever wins it just a little bit of a nudge in the right direction. Whoever gets beat might be slightly concerned, but a little bit like looking over their shoulder, thinking we need to buck up our ideas a bit. Yeah, I think I think it'd be a, it's a big game. It's always a statement game, eh? So, I think one of the the funny things is is people talking about Celtic not looking very good, and seeing the meltdown on some of the Celtic pages after the St. Johnson draw, which was 
highly amusing. Uh, <laughs> some there was people saying, "Can't believe Rogers is playing this sort of football. It didn't work last time. What makes you think it's going to work this time?" Kenny, the boy, the boy won. Did he not win treble, three treble. trebles in a row? <laughs> so, so what part of it wasn't it working? <laughs> Mate, football fans make you laugh. So that's just hilarious. Brutally, that's like that. That just that that rails me up something awful. Lately. Like, oh, we won a treble, treble, nine trophies on the drop. Yeah, it's not well, under Rogers, then they went and won like an all. We won five trebles in six years or something. Like that. Yeah. Wow, feel for you. Bless, yeah. bless them. Yeah. Not good enough. Who do you think is going to win? Um, yeah, a, a draw. A draw. I'll go. <sighs> I think a narrow Rangers victory actually be fair. I'll take Celtic then. We can have one each and then one else is going to win by next next week's ball. <laughs> um, so down in England, games coming up this week are on the Friday. We have Luton at home to West Ham United in their first game at home in the Premier League. On the Saturday, the early kickoff is what's already possibly billed as a relegation battle between Sheffield United and Everton. But the way Sheffield United, the stadium was against Man City, you really do fear for Everton. Brentford then play at home to Bournemouth. Tottenham travel to Burnley. Chelsea are at home to Nottingham Forest. Fulham travel to Manchester City. And it's Newcastle travelling to Brighton in the evening kickoff. The Sunday, we have three games which sees Crystal Palace at home to Wolves, Liverpool are at home to Aston Villa, and Man United and Arsenal at the Emirates at half past four on Sunday. What a game that could be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, who gets Europa League football next season? Conference <laughs> <Lumbers> League. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm so nice to you there. Uh, what games are standing out for you boys? Obviously, Arsenal, Man United, that is going to be some some clash. Are there any other ones that tickle the taste buds? Um, it's not very often that I, I, I say that I don't fancy Man United at all in any game, but this Sunday I don't fancy them. I don't think they'll get anything. Arsenal will be too strong at home. United's defensively, the, the two games the, the two games they played, three games they played. Right, yeah. They don't. They don't look defensively. They don't look solid. They've got injuries. Shaw's injured. Varane's injured. Uh, they just don't look. I don't know real, what the real problem is there, but they just don't look like the way they should be then. And I don't. I don't fancy them against Arsenal at all. The best they'll get is a draw, and even if they get that, I'll I'll snap your hand up for that. Uh, there is some other good games. Brighton, Newcastle's got the makings a good game. Uh, Liverpool, Aston Villa. Uh, Villa could quite easily go to Anfield and get three points, in my opinion. Uh, there's other good games. Um, Chelsea, Forest, Forest done well against United last week. Chelsea have started well. West Ham again. Yeah, some good games. Some really good games this week. Mate, you've got to remember, Villa have got hard game in Europe during the week. <laughs> no, <laughs> they're playing absolutely. <laughs> uh, Shan, what about you? What games are you looking forward to? Um, like Mark said, I don't think United look particularly buttoned up. It looks like they're just a little bit disjointed in the the back to middle kind of areas of the park. Goalies no convince me yet. Um, I think going to the Emirates is like Mark said, a point would be a great result. I think Villa Liverpool on Sunday will be another decent game. Villa nay nay fears be going to Anfield. They've got weapons that can hurt Liverpool. I'm quite intrigued to see Luton at home. Like I've like we spoke before about. The teams coming up, they need to really get their home form on point if they're going to get any sort of chance at survival. West Ham have actually started the season really well, which I'm quite glad for Moisey um, to get maybe some of his... The... Critics. Yeah, the critics of his bag. Yeah, that's what I was looking for, mate. And like, like, I like new teams coming up in the league. So Luton, even like the the, the simple things like the, the, the camera angle for the ground and the... The fans and all that kind of stuff for like a brand new stadium for like the folk haven't seen the long well in the top division, and I think in all fairness, there's not a lot of games that I'm particularly interested in this week. I think the Brentford, Bournemouth, Burnley, Tottenham, Chelsea, Forest, Man City, Fulham, a lot of meh, a lot of nothing in them. I think that the Sheffield United Everton has got a lot to. That's a lot riding on that one already. You get beat again if you didn't score, or you have a poor performance, or you get clattered three nil. You're you're really really like fighting an uphill battle already. So I think Luton game, Sheffield United game, then the the, the double header on the Sunday will be half decent. So. 
Right, boys. Well, I think that brings us almost towards the end of the pod. As always, we have our performance of the week. Shan, I'll come to you first. Who is your performance of the week? God. I'm not getting to Man United's backline, I'll tell you that. I'll go for West Ham. Um, I think, like we said there briefly, that Moises are his critics. Um, Antonio up front are his critics. He's no centre-forward. He's no scoring goals. no leading the line. He's no bringing our players into like, no doing what you'd want from him. He's maybe not that elite level that would push West Ham on up a step. But he took his goal fantastically well on Saturday night against Brighton, by the way. He's an absolute monster. He can he can do he can do the job of a really good centre forward when he's consistent. I thought that was one of his really, really um a really good game from to be fair to him. Took his goal brilliantly well and started West Ham off in a really solid start to the season. So I'll give it to Mikel Antonio. Cool. Marty? Uh, my performance of the week is uh, Johnson. Uh, for a team outside uh, outside Rangers and possibly Hearts Hibs, maybe, to go to Parkhead. No, no Hibs, what am I talking about? Uh, <laughs> a team outside, any, anybody apart from Rangers, to go to Parkhead and keep a clean sheet. Uh, and But they could have nicked it at the end as well, a couple of decent opportunities as well. You need your goalkeeper to have a good game, and he did. So, and, and under... I think most of the Johnson fans would admit they've not had the greatest start to the season. I mean, they've had better starts than other teams. So, <laughs> um, to go to Parkhead and get a 0-0 draw, very credible 0-0 draw. So, Johnson's performance of the week, well done. Very good result. Uh, my performance of the week is, I was I was going to go West Ham against Brighton, I think. What a great result, considering how, how good Brighton are being. They do have these odd occasional slip-ups when they got beat off a... Everton last season, but West Ham is just started great. But I'm going to go for Mitov of St Johnson, the goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. As you said, I think if you go to Celtic Park and manage to keep a clean sheet, you need a, a fair amount of luck, and you need your your players, especially your goalkeeper, to be on top form. And some of the saves he pulled off were were, were brilliant, absolutely incredible saves. He's got his first call up to the Bulgarian national team. So, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd need to give it to Mitov. The, the start of the season, he's been the, the, the proper shining light so far. We've got a few good young players in now, so it should be interesting to see if we start ticking over and out. It's a great result, to be fair, yes. I Actually, when I seen the, the, the report, I, I didn't think Celtic had that many opportunities. And then you've seen the... I don't think they were... Celtic should really have won based on the balance of play. But, like you said, the goal is what he's had to do. He's done well. The defence has done, done them a massive favour. They've worked like dogs to keep Celtic at bay. So, fantastic point. You'd, you'd take that all day long. Yeah, I think it was Matt O'Reilly had about three shots yeah. all within about eight or nine yards of goal. And he saved all of them. Now, a lot of them were either down his throat or he's not had to move. It's not like he's pulled off a, a seaman-like save where he's managed to pull the ball from behind him or something like that. But, yeah, yeah it's, uh, it was a really, really good performance. So, Hey mate, you never know these kind of results when you didn't expect them against a team like Celtic are often destroying teams at Parkhead. They can that can springboard you into the next week, be like with a bit of belief. We've got a goalie we can trust. We've got something to build on now. That's what yeah. happened to us last season. We yeah. beat Rangers two one at McDermott Park. James Brown with an absolute astonishing Beauty. goal with Nicky Clark. And then we went on about six or seven games. I think we managed to go without getting beat. We picked up quite a few wins. And that probably was the one thing that kept us away from the the drop zone last yep. season. So amazing how much you can influence like that. Just a, a simple result you got. You just jailed the team. Your eleven worked hard. You never conceded. If you got beat there six nothing, that could have easily spread it in the following week. The heads are doing. You didn't believe in each other. You didn't believe in the keeper. But that's a that's a, that's a massive point in the grand scheme of things. You go to take it in next week. If you're going to get three points again next week, or even a point. Who you play next week, actually? Dundee at home. See, there you go. You could take a three of that. Then that start of the season doesn't look so bad. You've already beaten the Parkhead. You've you came away unscathed. That's that could springboard you into a really good wee run of results. Yeah, and then I think we've got uh, Rangers after that. Oh. At home, <laughs> at home or away? Uh, home. Right, boys, well, thank you so much for your time tonight. Um, Pretty soon. Thanks, guys. No problem. Thank you. Cheers, boys.